Welcome to my Soul Life podcast. This is my playground and I'm your host, Susan Scollin. I believe that we can live a life we love every day. To do this, we have to go on a journey to uncover who we are on every layer. Join me each Monday for conversations about following our soul's calling and embodying what lights us up so we can become even more amazing people. And then later in the week, I'll be back with our Soul Life conversations where we open up and explore who we truly are to become authentically us. Be inspired. A quick reminder for you that all the information shared in this podcast is my experience and the experience of my guest. It's not medical or mental health advice, diagnosis or treatment, and I'd encourage you to seek professional advice where needed. Today I'm chatting with Juliana Johnson. Juliana has so much joy in her life. She's bubbly and always smiling, even when things aren't going well for her. And guess what? She's created this joy for herself. She's done the work and she now encourages others to do the same, one step at a time. Juliana is a dreamer, lifelong learner, an artist and an athlete who's found freedom from chronic pain through movement. Ten years ago, Juliana needed a walker for long distances. However, in 2021, she ran a half marathon. What a superstar. Juliana is a certified life coach through the Life Coach School and learning how her thoughts created her results in her life has been a game changer for her. Juliana's coaching practice helps others discover how to thrive with chronic pain by doing six, six simple things every day. Anyone who can go from severe health challenges like Juliana to running a half marathon is an absolute superstar in my eyes. That takes courage, it takes patience, it takes acceptance, and it takes belief to move from where she was to where she wanted to be. And she did it. I can't celebrate Juliana enough, and I know she'll inspire you too. Juliana and I would love to hear what you took away from this episode, so head over to my website, susanscollin.com, or Instagram, my.soul.life.podcast, and tell us. And you can reach out to Juliana via the show notes for this episode on my website too. See you inside. Welcome, Juliana. It's so great to be here with you, and I'm excited to share your journey today, or have you share your journey today, and, and talk about your incredible story. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Susan. I love asking people what's bringing them the most joy. So what's one thing that's bringing you the most joy at the moment? At the moment, it is being able to run again after not running for eight months. Yeah, that's a long time, isn't it? Especially when it's it something is. you're passionate about. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to dive into that more as we chat. So let's leave that okay. one there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And can you take us on your journey, um, your health journey? Where did it all sort of start to unfold for you and and what's it been like on the journey? Okay. Um, In the 90s, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which at the time um, the medical community believed it was just in your head. Mm. So it was real hard to find answers and um, a way forward. And it um, was frustrating because I would do things like take something out of the refrigerator and drop it because I had lost feeling in my hand. Um, And then I was lucky to have found someone who understood it a little better and 
realized that it wasn't just in my head. But I learned through the process that if I don't take care of myself by getting sleep that I need, eating foods that um, fuel my body, that I would have flares. And stress was another huge, huge factor. And about 10 years ago, I was in an extremely stressful situation with my vocation and um, started having more and more difficulty with nerve pain and the like. And so for long distances, I needed to use a walker. And it was extremely difficult. There's a lot of mind drama about it. And um, I kept thinking my body had failed me, which led to some depression, overeating, and just generally not taking care of myself. So I put on a bunch of weight, um, which didn't help with my mobility at all. And then um, I decided I wanted to lose weight. And... um, I found this podcast by this sassy Southern blonde woman here in Tennessee, which is where I live in the States. Um, And she talked about this thing called thought work that I'd never heard of. And um, the, the premise being that your, your thoughts drive your feelings, which drive your results. And so I joined her program and um, along the way lost a good amount of weight. Um, I had, I I believe it was like 98 pounds. And um, one of my dreams had always been I wanted to be a runner. And as I lost weight, I started walking and I built up my endurance real slowly. I mean, When this whole thing started, I was walking 10 minutes before I had to stop. And I continued with the program, doing the thought work and really trying to choose thoughts that were more positive. And then I found another um, life coach who teaches women who are older and um, heavier and I found not just more about changing your thoughts to change your results, but I found an amazing community that continues to inspire me to this day. In fact, in two weeks, I get to spend a weekend with them and I cannot wait. Um, And so I continued on the journey and I continued to ask my medical team um, for ways that I could have quality of life without either being heavily medicated, usually with opiates, or having to have any sort of surgical intervention. I had an incredible nurse practitioner who was willing to explore that with me. And so she was on this journey with me and, um, I went to her and told her 
between the weight loss and being more mobile, I wanted to start reducing the medications I was taking. And um, at that time, it was the medication I take for nerve pain. It's called Lyrica. And um, so we started decreasing some of the medications I was on. And we decreased my blood pressure medication. Um, just my lab results were just incredible. And she said something to me that just really stuck. And she said, it's not the weight loss. It's not the movement. She said, you're a different person because you think differently about yourself and your chronic pain. And um, having that kind of support was just incredible. And um, so I continued doing thought work and, and um taking care of myself better, thinking better about myself and my body. And um, then I decided I'd have these two incredible coaches. And so I wanted to become a life coach as well. So I started the process to get certified. And during the process, a couple of things happened that were life-changing for me. One was that I had another incredible setback with my physical health. And that go-to thought that I'd always had that my body had failed me again was challenged in a coaching session. And I came out of the coaching session with the thought, what can I do in my body right now? And that was life-changing me. Um, And so now on the days that I have the most difficulty with my pain levels, that's the thought. It's on sticky notes. It's on index cards. It's, it's been a screensaver. (laughs) Um, But that just having that thought changed everything for me. And so 10 years ago, needing a walker to go long distances. Last summer, I ran a half marathon, um, which was amazing. And so in that coaching session, when I was challenged about this thought that I had that my body had failed me, I was asked to look at what this body has done for me. Mm. And um, it like I said, it just changed everything for me. And so after I got certified, um, <clears throat> I had this dream that didn't come to fruition. But what I realized through that was that the journey that I've had could help someone else. Mm-hmm. And so now I have a coaching practice that has just started. It's a baby practice right now. <laughs> um, but it's to teach people to thrive with chronic pain yeah. by using thought work and taking care of themselves in some of the smallest of ways and focusing more on what you can do instead of what you can't do. Mm. So it's incredible. That's my. Yeah, that's my journey in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's an incredible journey. So thank you so much for sharing it all with us. 
Um, can we go back and just unpack some of the, the pieces along the way? So just sure, absolutely. Yeah. So when you're thinking about fibromyalgia, what were some of the symptoms that you were experiencing back in the 90s that you, when you look back, you okay. kind of go, oh, and that was those, that was it. Yeah. Well, and I I will say that even now I still have issues. So the biggest thing for me is neuropathy in my hands and feet. It tends to be mostly on the right side of my body, um, as well as nerve pain, which feels like, you know, when you sit on your foot for a while and it falls asleep and then you put it down and it's that tingly kind of just real uncomfortable feeling. That is what I would wake up with um, as well as leg cramps, Um, dropping things a lot, having no hand strength, um, feeling a lot of fatigue. There's some brain fog that goes along with it as well. Yeah. Um, which was not due to the medication because I, I was only on opiates for a short time just because I didn't like the way they made me feel. It's, that's not a statement of mm-hmm. political beliefs or anything. It just I didn't like the way they felt in my body. Um, <clears throat> and so, I mean, to this day, I'm, I'm on Lyrica and a couple other things that help when I have flares. So I also get real bad migraines at times from it, um, which has to do with when the flare starts, my whole body will tighten up. It's almost like I'm trying to fight it. And so I'll end up, I hold my stress typically in my neck and shoulders. And so that'll turn into a migraine. Um, And there are certain foods that... Um, would make it worse. One of my favorite foods in the whole world is asparagus. And it's terrible for people with fibro. Um, And that was one of the things that that wonderful nurse practitioner helped me figure out. Yeah, wow. So those were the worst of the symptoms, the muscle weakness, the not being able to trust that when I put my foot down, I wouldn't fall. Mm. Um, and even now I probably fall two times a week, but I've learned how to do that in a way that I don't get injured now. (laughs) (laughs) Are there some commando roles happening? (laughs) Um, no, actually it's just softening into it Mm -hmm. instead of resisting it, which sounds counterintuitive. Um, but also through my running and strength training, I've learned how to be able to get up when I fall, yeah. which I couldn't have done before. Yeah. So for anybody out there that thinks runners or athletes in general don't need strength training, yes, they do. <laughs> you never know when you need it. <laughs> yeah. There are so many other benefits, right, to strength training that yes. you can't even see. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So why running? Why, why did you take that up? When I was younger, I was a swimmer, which I loved. Um, and I never did it for the competitive edge. It was more competing against myself. And I'm, I'm a water person. I love the water. 
Um, I'm a California native and there's just something about water that has always appealed to me. But when I was growing up, my brother was the athlete in the family. And I just always felt less than. And so even as, at a really young age, I just wanted to run, but I never looked like a runner. I don't look like a runner now, um, but I had a dream that I would do a half marathon one day. Mm-hmm. And so that's why running, it was just, it was a bucket list thing. Yeah. And once I started doing it, there's so many benefits that I didn't even know about it. Um, you know, that's my time to just be. I generally, except when I was training and doing extremely long runs, I generally don't listen to anything. I just am present with the moment and myself. And it helps me unlock things that I'm holding on to. Um, It's also a time to pay attention to what's around me. I'm fortunate to live in a rural community. And so there just, there's so much beauty out there that I don't know that I would have experienced otherwise. A friend of mine said at one point, something to the effect of running is how you meet the world around you. And you just, I mean, I, I don't know if somebody that's not a runner would understand that, but I mean, there's the, the feeling of the ground beneath your feet, where I live, um, you know, the rocks, the trees, it just, I mean, it's just my place to be. Yeah. Sounds yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. It is. It is. It sounds almost yeah. like a meditation or a grounding space for you where you're home. Yes. 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 I would say grounding is an excellent definition. Yeah. of what I experienced. Yeah. And it was it came through you like it's something that you've always wanted to do and then you had this dream of running the half marathon. How was that process for you leading up to the half marathon, knowing that you can fall a couple of times a week, that can be part of your repertoire effectively? Um, right. And you... it, it was during the half. Yeah. <laughs> I fell twice. <laughs> So how do you um, create that? I um, I was lucky to have a running coach that has developed plans that understand bodies that are larger, bodies that don't always move the way the picture of a runner that we all have in our head does. Yeah. Um, and so it was... It was a gentle increase, which was fine. Now, I'll be honest and say the extremely long runs sucked. <laughs> I don't did. think I've met anybody that hasn't said that. <laughs> yeah. But because I had a good training plan and I had good support from community, my husband, um, my daughter, I... And I just, you know, I mean, this was a dream Mm -hmm. that I was going to do. 
And the day of the race, I remember looking around and thinking, there is nobody that looks like me. Nobody. And so I kind of hung in the back of the pack. And my goal was to finish the half. And there was no time cut off, by the way. That's another reason I chose that race. Um, And my beagle was to finish under four hours, Mm -hmm. which, you know, I'm looking at people running the Boston. They're running it in these just, I mean, in less time than I ran the half. (laughs) Um, And then my seagull was to not be the last person that Mm -hmm. finished. And I was able to accomplish all those goals. Yeah. So um, I also realized during it, um, the the race was held at one of our state parks. um, And it was absolutely exquisite. And most of the run was on what I think was a bike trail. It might have been a walking trail. I'm not sure. But it was all paved. And it was during that race that I my next goal became to trail run and that's what I do now. Yeah. So, wow. So that yeah. was created through the marathon, the half marathon. It, it was, it was, it was. And part of that has to do with my physical limitations because it's hard to be that continuous pounding on pavement is real difficult. Whereas with trail running, I almost think that in in ways other than just being out in the woods or wherever the, the run is, um, it's easier on my body. Mm. And the other part is with trail running, it's natural to stop at certain points because you have to. You know, if you're if you're going across a slippery creek with a rock bed, you can't run through it. So there are natural pauses in trail running that you don't have when you're running a road race. Yeah. And they're things that people don't think about, right? Like when we think about running, we just think that you've got to start and you've got to finish and that's it. There's no stopping in between time. But we can do those sorts of things on our journeys. Yeah. 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 I'll also say... um, my running coach teaches interval running and that's what I do. And if I hold true to the intervals that I've trained with, I actually am faster Mm. than if I run straight through because it's a natural chance to kind of keep your, your body going without getting to the point that you overdo it. Yeah. So I highly recommend interval running. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kind of fun to have those breaks in the middle. It's like you're giving yourself little rewards as you go along. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. Yeah. And so with the fibromyalgia, like what are some of the things that have worked for you in terms of just settling some of the flare-ups that come or just managing that over time? A lot of it is, I mean, I know that there are key things that I have to do every day. Yeah. When I get up, I have to take my medication, whether I want to or not. If I don't, I pay for it later. Um, It's making sure I get the rest that I need, that 
I eat foods that fuel my body instead of satisfy that immediate craving. Mm. Um, it's knowing that when I'm having a harder day, it's okay to go slower, to not do certain things. Um, and I'm a real big fan of Epsom salt baths because they just feel good. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I, I would say that the biggest thing really has been letting go of the mind drama when I do have a flare um, and knowing that it'll pass if I just keep doing the things that I need to do. Yeah. You know, diet, water, rest. Um, I left an extremely stressful career because it was, I mean, my doctor had said, if you stay with it, it will end up killing you one way or another. And so I left that, moved on to something else. Yeah. Um, so it's just, I mean, it's things that most people don't even think about. Mm. You know, I mean, and I know that there are times I'm going to choose to have foods like asparagus. And I know there'll be a consequence. So I don't do that all the time. Mm. But, you know, and, and that's the other thing I've learned. Foods that will bring on a flare. So I tend to avoid them. Um, processed food is just not good in my body. Mm. So, you know, I'm lucky that it, my mom used to say I was her bunny. So I prefer vegetables over anything else. <laughs> um, but, <clears throat> you know, it's just, it's being aware of my body. And then I guess I've dealt with it so long. I just intuitively know what I need to adjust. Yeah. So. And you'd know when it when perhaps you've eaten something that you didn't even realize had, you know, that ingredients in there, you'd know it in your body, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I drink lots of water too. <laughs> Which helps cleanse, right? Out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just in case anything comes up. Yeah. Water is so important to our bodies. We need to have lots of it. It is. Yeah. Yes. You mentioned before about the thought work and the thought work that you had done through losing all your weight and being introduced to it there and obviously then going through the running as well with that coach because both of them have got the same modality of thought coaching, like that causal coaching, which you and I both are qualified in as well. Um, Right. And you had the thought that my body has failed again. And so thinking about the model effectively, so that thought that you've got, my body's failed again, how did that generally make you feel when you had that going on for you? I was discouraged a Mm -hmm. lot. I mean, that was was probably the biggest thing. And the more discouraged that I felt, the less I took care of myself. Yeah, so that had a flow-on effect into your life around, like you said, how you took care of yourself. And thinking about those things that we do and don't do for ourselves, what was sort of happening in that space for yourself once you were feeling discouraged? I was overeating, which is why I had the incredible weight gain. Um, 
I would, I hate to say this, but I would like start arguments with my husband. Um, and I think really the biggest thing is I wasn't taking care of myself. And there would be times it's like, I'm not taking my medication because it doesn't help me. And so a whole lot of self-sabotage and an incredible amount of mind drama, you know, comparing myself to others. Um, and really, truly thinking that I would never be worthy um, because how can someone in a broken body be worthy? Um, so that was that was really the big stuff. Yeah, that would have been really hard. So thank you for sharing all yeah. of that. And I think that will help a lot of people too, just to see that flow-on effect of that thought and the feeling and what that actually creates yeah. in your life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the the thought, what can I do in my body right now, brings a, a feeling of curiosity. Yeah. And the difference between discouraged and curiosity is night and day. I mean, it it's allowed me to think, oh, okay, so today is a hard day. My pain levels are high. Maybe I can't go for a run, but maybe I can go for a 10-minute walk. Mm. And just the, the absence of the mind drama is, it's, I mean, I hadn't even realized how much I had <laughs> until I learned to think something new and different. Um, and, you know, curiosity always makes me think of a, a young child exploring the world. And that's what it really feels like. It's like, okay, so today I can't run, but what can I do? And, you know, it, I've ridden my bike more than I used to. I've walked more than I used to. Um, and sometimes I can't move a whole lot. And so I'll do meditation, which I don't always make time for. I've done yoga on those days. So it just, like I said, it's night and day between the two thoughts and the feelings they generated in my body. Yeah. And I can see it yeah. in your face too as you're talking. Like yeah. you're, <laughs> yeah. cheeks are rosy and big smile because I'm yeah. being curious. Yeah. It changes us, doesn't yeah. it? Once we, like you said, like it does. those thoughts, the, the negative thoughts were like baggage that you can then take off and go, oh, what can my body do today? Let's get curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a yes. bit more about that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So does it feel lighter to you or how does it feel when you're kind of in that new um, space? It, you know, it, it's the difference between carrying around a boulder and a pebble. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't realized how much that thought my body has failed me was weighing me down. Mm. Um, to the point that, I mean, the overeating led to further problems. So when I was able to have that shift 
to what can I do in my body right now? I mean, I literally lost weight because I wasn't buffering myself as much. I mean, I still do, but (laughs) not like I was. Um, And, you know, just being aware of what I'm thinking and what feelings that generates has opened up a whole new world. Mm. It really has. Yeah, and you can still be human and buffer and, you know, choose to eat. What we mean by buffering is, you know, choosing to bring in things that perhaps aren't as supportive for us and are covering over those emotions that we don't or feelings that we don't want to feel. And But sometimes it's a yes. conscious decision too. Like it's just, okay, mm-hmm. I'm feeling sad. I'm going to eat the chocolate or the chips or the whatever or have that drink. And that's okay and I'm doing it from mm-hmm. a conscious space. It's about being human, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, The concept of life being 50 50 was one I really resisted. (laughs) Because, you know, we we are taught, I think, at an early age that life is supposed to be this glorious, joyful thing all the time, Mm. but it's not. You know, if you're fully human, You can be happy sometimes and sad sometimes, and sometimes things make you angry, and that's okay. But sometimes it kind of sucks too. (laughs) So that's when it's like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to do this right now. So I'm going to go have a piece of cheese. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to Brene Brown uh, recently and she was asked by Oprah, it was an old video, but she was asked by Oprah, what's the hardest um, feeling for people to feel? And my brain automatically went to the negative emotions, but she said it's joy. It's because we're always waiting for the next shoe to drop. Like we might be feeling happy in a moment, but then we're looking around ourselves and going, oh, what's going to go wrong as opposed to embracing the joy? Right. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, She's I so know. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> She's, but she just makes so much sense of what we're all feeling, doesn't she? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. She does. Yeah. 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 And I even think about um, Glennon Doyle's book, what? Untamed. I couldn't think of it for a minute, where she talks about that beautiful big cat being trapped in a cage. And then doing all these things because she's trained to do them. And for me, this whole journey with the model and thought work has been unlocking that cage. Mm. And I think she, oh, it's a cheetah. It's a cheetah. I hadn't thought about that in a while, but it's a cheetah. And, um, she in that chapter of the book she's like be the damn cheetah (laughs) in all areas of your life go 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 (laughs) yeah and that's what it's felt like it's like there's the thought work has allowed me to let go of the cage I had put myself in nobody else had done it it was all me yeah and the thoughts I had about myself and my physical issues and 
you know, I had, I had really given up hope. Mm. So, and, you know, now I can play with grandkids and I can run and I can, you know, experience the world in a way that I was keeping myself from doing. Yeah. And that was all, do you believe that it was all because of the thoughts that you were thinking at the time? Like that was what was. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's the other thing. We don't spend enough time paying attention to what we're thinking. We just don't. And it wasn't until I was introduced to the model and thought work that I even became aware that there was another way to live life. Yeah. And that you got to choose it as well. Yes, yes, yes. And that's not to say that there aren't times that I still get what I call stinking thinking. Um, And, you know, that leads to some not great feelings, but I also am able to recognize it sooner. You go, oh, brain, you're being stupid. (laughs) So... (laughs) And it can be there and I'm going to get on with things anyway. Like life is still going to move forward. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And I would much rather choose thoughts that lead to things like curiosity and joy and, um, you know, that that are opening rather than closing. Yeah, yeah. They're more expansive, aren't they? And so who have you become because you've gone on this journey? Oh, my gosh. Um, I've become a person who looks for the positives in the world around me, Mm -hmm. which can be hard to do sometimes. Um, I've become a runner. I think I've become a better parent and wife. Um, I've become a coach. Um, but I think if I had to just pick one thing, I'd become a better me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so what's next for you on your journey? Well, I'm hoping to build up my coaching practice so that I can move into that full time. Um, you know, I'll continue to do the thought work and share thought work with anybody that wants to listen. Um, I'll continue running on the days that I can. Um, and I'm at the point that I'm close to retirement age. And instead of that looking like some kind of death sentence, now I'm really excited about it. And I see coaching being a part of that time in my life. Um, You know, I think I've become someone who's more adventurous, more outgoing Mm -hmm. than I used to be. Yeah. So Beautiful. And thinking about the people that you're going to work with or will work with um, or are working with, um, thinking about some of the thoughts that those people in chronic pain would have, what are some of the thoughts that would identify them? Like what would they be thinking? Well, my body has failed me. I'll never be able to do anything. Um, I can't do whatever it is because of my chronic pain. 
Um, I may as well give up. Yep. Um, you know, just a lot of heavy thoughts, um, <clears throat> thoughts that lead to feelings of being less than or unworthy, uh, depression, you know, just that, yeah. uh, you know, and, and the medical community, I mean, it's come a long way, don't get me wrong, and they're incredible incredible medical professionals out there but there are still some who don't get it because they don't have it and there I go on my soapbox most people in the world do not understand what it's like to live with chronic pain it's not something that you choose it's not something that will ever go away and I can't tell you the number of times I've heard people say well, when I got hurt doing whatever, I think I understood you better. No, you really didn't. <laughs> because for a short time, you had limitations. But it's my life every day. Um, and so I think part of the, the thought process that we have as people with chronic pain um, you know, people don't understand it. And, and that's another thought I think I have a lot is people just don't understand it. And before that would make me angry. And now it's just like, well, okay. So I'll teach them. Yeah. Yeah. And I even, you know, I went to a pain doc to look at a procedure um, and he told me, he said, well, with the level of pain that you have, you should never run. You should only walk. And I started to get just, you know, real angry. And then I thought, wait a minute, this is my chance to explain. And I told him, I didn't come here for you to tell me what I cannot do. I came here for you to tell me how I can do what I want to do. And I could tell he was kind of shocked. But then my next visit with him, it was a whole different experience. Because I think he understood I wasn't there looking for a Band-Aid. I was there looking for a way to continue to thrive. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's a beautiful example of how you can work with a professional and you can challenge back on their thoughts around you know, like someone mm-hmm. saying you shouldn't walk, you shouldn't run, you should walk. But then you go, but you don't understand mm-hmm. what running brings into my life. Like you just, you, uh, you mustn't be a runner or maybe you are, but you don't understand how it impacts me because of everything that I'm going through as well. Right. Well, and he's not a runner, I'll just say. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, yeah. But it can also come back to that point of somebody that doesn't, has never had to deal with chronic pain or is never, you know, has had an injury. And I've been one of those people where I've had an injury and I can appreciate that I have no idea what somebody goes through on a daily basis when I've had to live with it for like five days. Big difference. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. Because there's a, a level of depression that comes with it. And that's not just about your thoughts. Sometimes um, 
you know, there are chemical things that happen when you have chronic pain. And um, so depression is another symptom. Yeah. So So how can we support people who have chronic pain? Like for someone like me who doesn't have to deal with it on a daily basis, what is... What's something that you found valuable when somebody like me comes into your life? How, how can we best support you? Ask questions. Yeah. Ask lots of questions. Yeah, nice. Um, and not, and don't be judgy because how it feels in my body is not how it feels in someone else's body. And there are different tri- types of chronic pain and, um, and it's so unpredictable, you know, be understanding when we beg off of an outing because we just don't feel good. Yeah. It's it's not that we don't want to spend time doing things. Sometimes it's just that we can't. Yeah. Um, so ask questions, be understanding. Yeah. And a lot of self-compassion, like a lot of compassion for the person as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, but don't baby and don't try to do things for us. <laughs> well heard. I heard and understood. <laughs> well, and that's you know I think it's human nature to want to help somebody. Yeah. Um, but you know if I need help opening a pickle jar, I'm going to ask for it. Don't just assume by grabbing the bottle from me that yeah. I need you to do it. Yeah, it's just oh. Ask permission first or ask if you would like some help first. Yeah. 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 Or wait to be asked, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just I think understanding and, and asking questions are probably the two biggest things. Yeah. And being open if the person doesn't want to have questions asked of them either. So understanding mm-hmm. yeah. that sometimes people just yeah. don't want to talk about it. Right. Well, and I think it depends, too, on the level of connection with a person. You know, there there are certain people that, you know, they know me well enough to be able to read me and know kind of what I need, but they still ask. Um, You know, somebody walking down the street, they're not going to understand anything. Mm. Beautiful. Well, thank you for everything that you shared so far. Before we get into the wrap-up questions, is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, I just, this has been delightful. <laughs> it has been. It's lovely. And I'm so it's so awesome to hear your journey and, and everything that you've gone through, but everything that you've created as well. Like it's that, like you talked mm-hmm. about before, that 50-50, 50% not so great yeah. and 50% great, and that's just life. Right, right. Yes. And and I think we all have stuff. Mm. You know, I I have chronic pain, other people have other things. Yeah. So um, you know, and I think one of the lessons that I've I've learned through this for myself, but also for those that interact with people with chronic pain is just be kind. Be kind. Yeah. And we can do that for ourselves as well, um, mm-hmm. whether you've got chronic pain or not, but just being kind to yourself and being kind to others can yeah. be just one of those values that we just roll out into life as a general rule. Right, right. We need more of it. 
We do. We do. (laughs) So I'm a massive believer in self-love. It's been a cornerstone to my journey. What's one thing that you do for self-love? Oh, gosh. If I had to pick just one, I thought about this and I thought about this and so many things I could say. Um, but I would have to say the one thing that I do almost every day mm-hmm. for self-love is thought work. Yeah. I literally put whatever's on my in my brain on well my iPad. We don't use I don't use paper anymore. Um but that's part of my morning routine is I do a thought download and a model. And then I look at, is this, I ask myself, is this serving me or is there something else I'd rather think? Mm. And then you shift so. it from there. It's like, it's a version of like morning pages. Um, yes. Where you just, yeah, get all the thoughts out and then you're picking, do you just pick one that's really more challenging for you or the one that's sort of coming up a bit more and then you do the model off that? I, yeah, I think I tend to, if it's, a, if it's a thought that keeps repeating, I'll work on that. I mean, there are things that, that I'll explore further. There are certain areas, like this whole coaching thing, um, that I'll spend time outside of my morning routine yeah. working on. But um, it's either the thing that I don't want to look at, which means I really need to, or the thing that keeps coming up. Yeah. And it keeps coming and it comes up in different areas too, doesn't it? It's not just like it happens in one area, (laughs) pops up in other areas. And it's like a disguise. Exactly. Seriously? It's like that little, back in the, the cartoons when they had the angel and the devil, it's that little devil just going knocking yeah. at that door repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we just we just don't even know it's there. That's the beauty of coaching is having someone to just sort of ask you those questions and you're like, holy crap, like where did that come yeah. from? Yeah. Well, and that's part of what I do when something keeps coming up as I do that every morning is that I get coached. Mm. by someone other than myself (laughs) because sometimes my my brain wants to hold on to it too much yeah yeah and someone impartial can ask questions in a way that I stop and go oh crap that's what I'm doing Mm. yeah but that's my I think that's my biggest consistent act of self-love is thought work Beautiful. And you've given so much information to myself and the listeners today. If there was one thing that we were to take away and implement into our own life in service of you, what would that be? Well, I mean, the automatic response would be, go to my website. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that. We'll get to that. (laughs) But I think it would be, to be more understanding of people because when you look at most people with chronic pain, you're not going to know how much they hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be understanding. Yeah. And, and like I said earlier, ask questions. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I don't mind sharing with people what I've been through and what I go through on a daily basis. But what I found is most people want to fix instead of understand. Yeah. And it comes back to that bioindividuality, like everybody's unique, everybody has their own journey. So what chronic pain feels and looks like for you can be completely different to the next person. And so, yeah, allowing them to have the space to go on their own journey, however that looks, and you go on your journey because when we're fixing somebody else, we're not fixing ourselves, not working on ourselves. So Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. So let's share with us, where can everybody find you and what is the work that you're doing in the world? Um, Pretty much on all the socials. I'm Amabear Coaching. Um, and that is my website, amabearcoaching.com, and that's A-M-A-B-E-A-R, coaching. Um, and let me think. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. Um, this is the, the woman who thought I was too old to learn tech yeah. is now doing all of the things. <laughs> Good work. (laughs) It's been, talk about my drama. Um, But yeah, that's Emma Bear. That's, and that comes from my husband's nickname is Bear. And my granddaughter, who is one of my heroes, she has a lot of special needs. Um, She can't say grandma, so she says Emma. So beautiful. I embrace that as my coaching name. Yeah, that's gorgeous. And so tell us about the people that you're helping in the world then. So who's coming to you for coaching? Um, Folks with chronic pain, although I have coached other people. I mean, when you learn to coach, you coach any issue. Um, So folks with chronic pain are who I'm really looking at. And the premise of my program is that if you do six things every day, which I'm not going to tell on this, but if you do six things every day consistently, that you'll learn to thrive with chronic pain. Yeah. And that's, that's my tagline is thrive with chronic pain. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Juliana. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for sharing your journey and everything that you've been through and just for sharing the beauty that life can be amazing um, and we can shine through our challenges. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today. And I have a couple of small favors to ask. If you love this episode, please share it with someone you love and you know the episode will resonate with. Also, to help spread the word about my podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review. I love hearing your thoughts about my podcast and what's resonating with you. Plus, it helps us share my podcast with the rest of the world, which is amazing. Finally, thank you so much for being here. I'm super grateful for you and I'm truly honored you've spent your time with me. Let's keep rising. Let's keep growing because it's totally possible to live a life you love every day right where you are. See you in the next episode.